This afternoon, a guided meditation will be a practice taken from the Tibetan Book of the Great Liberation. It's sometimes known as the Big Sky Meditation. And I invite you to begin by opening your eyes. And look around. And tell me where your awareness ends. Do you have any sense or inclination to believe that your awareness fills the whole room? Not limited to just this head, this body. Where does it begin and end? Whose is it? Can you turn it off? Can you stop being aware? Often people close their eyes. That doesn't work either. I invite you to have a sense of awareness spread out along the wall behind you so that your awareness covers the whole expanse in front. That's how big your mind is, at least for now. We'll see if we can find the edges, the borders. So, close your eyes. Can you evoke or Remember that sense of your awareness being that large with your eyes closed? Filling the whole room. Sensing, imagining a great space of mind. Open, empty, Registering all the phenomena that appear, but holding on to nothing. 
attention and bring attention to the sense of hearing. Notice sounds as they appear. Sounds are not controlled by us. They are obviously impermanent. randomly appearing and disappearing in this open space of mind. As you pay attention to the sounds that appear, sense that the borders of your awareness reach out far enough to include the source of those sounds. Your mind, the boundaries of your mind reach that far. The source of the sounds here in the room the sounds outside. Sense your mind is vast and open. Stretching outward in all directions.
feel your mind wide enough to include the source of the farthest sounds you can hear. In this big sky of mind, all phenomena are registered and nothing is held on to. Sounds appear and disappear. Thoughts float through. Sensations twinkle on and off like stars in this great open space of mind. great sky of mind registers all phenomena and holds on to nothing.
When you next hear the bell, it will be part of the meditation, not a signal that the meditation's over. Sensing that the borders of awareness stretch out in all directions. And then let the borders dissolve altogether. Creating an infinite sky of mind a great, vast, infinite in all directions, sky of mind. Knowing of all things, holding on to nothing. Everything appearing and disappearing.
to refresh your sense of the big sky, come back to the sense of hearing, let the borders of awareness move out in all directions, to include the source of the farthest sounds. Everything moves through the great sky of mind without leaving a trace or a mark. The great sky of mind remains pure empty, without characteristics, without personality. It has no age. Can you look at it? Can you find it? Can you touch it?
the bell again as part of the meditation.
And next time you hear the bell, it will signal the end of the meditation. As you open your eyes and come into the light, see if you can bring that sense of the big sky, open mind with you. Your mind's still big, sky-like. Mirror-like, reflecting whatever comes before it, but leaving no trace. It's a wonderful practice to do outside a lot of natural sound. I was hoping for more natural sound. I thought the crows would come and help us, but just a few turkeys. <laughs> occasional, occasional turkeys at that. But uh, it's a really sweet practice. It, it gives all, all of our stuff, our thoughts and our feelings, and a lot of room. And uh, it gives it a, it doesn't fill the whole mind. Phenomena doesn't fill the whole mind because it's big enough. Things kind of float through more easily. At least I find it to be that way. Comments, questions about it or reflections on it. You don't always get there, you know. Sometimes you, you refuse to uh, have a big mind. Yeah. First of all, thanks 
Uh-huh. Nice. Your heart, heart expanding as well as her mind expanding. Yeah, I, I had you loving the earth a couple of days ago, and now, you know, it's endless. It's no, no borders. I love it all. Mm-hmm. Infinite vibrations. You know, by the way, that there is no sound in the outside world. Just, <laughs> just to thicken the the stew here, right? No, there's no sound in the outside world. <laughs> it sounds like it, but. <laughs> I'm just, I'm flapping my lips and my tongue and creating, <laughs> creating disturbances in the air that then hit this drum of the ear, then, and that uh, wiggles some th- little bones that then stir up a, some liquid that really, it's a whole, like a Rube Goldberg, you know, construction. <laughs> and, and that eventually goes to the aud- audit- auditory center of the brain, and that's where sound, that's where we hear sound, but the sound is not out here. It always blows my mind to think of, think of that. <laughs> and so in some way, you, you, know, you assemble the music that you hear. You're, you're the conductor of all the music you've ever heard and play the instruments too. Yeah. Did you have your hand up? No. Yeah. I experienced that meditation as like super relaxing. Like the, um, it's like a really good way to put me to sleep. And and I had had a conversation. Um, so I heard that the, the idea of like space and expansiveness activates like synchronous alpha waves in our brain in a different way. It, are those just like? Is that true? Is that what's happening? (laughs) I had read once that this was like a thing in like the 60s or 70s that like people were exploring this. Well, there's lots of things in the 60s or 70s. But then like people stopped looking into like the electricity of the brain and um, and maybe it's just really relaxing and I just like it. And then maybe there's also like alpha waves attached to this idea that there's like oh, it's your synchronous waves. There could be. There could be. Rick, what do you know? Do you know of alpha waves? Like the idea of space. You know those meditations where it's like the space between your eyebrows and the space between each hair and the space, like there's like this thing with space and expansiveness, even even like small spaces, if we think of space, apparently it synchronizes our alpha waves more than, more than any other like gratitude practice. or. Mm-hmm. First, uh, you might well be right. I'm just not aware of it. You know, it could well be true that something about visualizing space does good things, you know, in terms of um, what are brain waves. Basically, it means huge coalitions of synapses, basically millions, billions of them potentially, are operating at the same time, typically many times a second. Just that alone is far out. 
And um, so I, I don't know about the detail. A little bit, I, I find myself reflecting on why do people do these traditional practices, like big sky meditations, or being aware of the volume in this mm-hmm. room of space, not just the objects in this room, right? Or imagining space between the uh, eyes or, or other practices, breathing practices, yoga practices, things like that. And they just seem to work. And then, you know, we kind of work backwards and see if they work, right? Um, so that's, I guess, my big takeaway, you know, to us, just to kind of keep looking at what makes a beneficial difference, mm-hmm. you know, for me and others. Right. And if it does, and there are different brains, you know, we kind of all have basic blueprints, but then there are individual variations. Things that will be really beneficial for one person just fall flat for another person. And one thing I've tried to pay attention to it myself um, is to not overgeneralize my psychology to everybody on the planet. You know, just because something works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. And you see that sometimes people have a wonderful hammer and they start banging on screws, right? Because it's just it's not that effective for that person. So really important diversity. You know, the yeah. Buddha offered a vast diversity of methods. Uh, neurological diversity is the fundamental diversity. It's not constructed. It's the one that really matters. And honoring our own nature and finding the practices that really work for us at this time, in this situation, for this thing. It's been my takeaway. Yeah, Yeah, thank you for that. It is. The bottom line is, you know, what alleviates your suffering? What what do you find uh, that can help you feel more free and actually help free you and uh, that practice does it for me quite quite often it uh... I found that listening to Wes makes me happy (laughs) (laughs) much more than like a brainwave device you know (laughs) laughter I'll give you a tape in the moment you're laughing you're not suffering usually Um, I'll give you a CD of my voice (laughs) play at any time Great, great. You can play with your mind, you know. If you get to a point where where it's not tormenting you, you know, you can actually have fun with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's full and it's emptying. How about the verb? It's emptying all the time. Um, I, I felt fantastic. I felt so grateful. Um, I felt my body opening and my heart opening. And I, I felt so grateful for your voice. Um, and then I felt this profound sadness that I'm going to go back to Argentina and I'm not going to listen to you. And I started crying, um, but I felt the, the love 
positive in my test. I just uh, feel like I'm floating. So it's good. Mm-hmm. Even more general, I remember being at a meditation retreat in Napa Valley, and I heard a 57 Chevy go by on the road, and I knew it was a 57 Chevy. <laughs> so I'm wondering if there's an ability to open to sound and not identify with uh, what it is. I imagine it's an ability you could acquire that, you know, if, if you could just focus on the pure vibration of the drum of the year or some, somehow eliminate your, your innate ability to, to name it or to know it, what it is you're hearing. It seems like a pretty strong, powerfully programmed uh, uh, ability, right? Well, you're talking about labeling. I'm sorry. No, I'm talking about conditioning that somehow in the midst of all like sound, I, I mean, Well, if I'm following you, it's almost anything. You open your eyes and there's like the first half second of colors and shapes. And then fairly quickly there's, oh, Zafu, shawl, foot, right? Right? Or initially there's a sound, something is happening. And then, oh, 57 Chevy. No, 58 Chevy. It, you know, right? Is that, the, is that what you're speaking to, that quality of categorizing or labeling? That seems possible, huh? Oh, yeah, I think that's true. And from a practical standpoint, it can be helpful if you know the aggregates, so-called Buddhism. You would from Cornyaka Valley, probably. There's the aggregate of form. That's the initial minimal perception of anything at all, sensation. Something is there. It's called form. And it also refers to all of material reality. After that, we're in the mind. Okay? Then the second aggregate is called perception. And that's typically categorizing, labeling, often involving memory. Then we have the third aspect of experience, the Vedna or feeling tone, the hedonic tone I've spoken about, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, perhaps other qualities. Then we have the formations, all the rest of the stuff in the mind. And then we have consciousness or awareness. All of it happening. All of it dependently arising and passing away. So one thing that's helpful, I think of the Buddha as a pre-modern postmodernist. He deconstructed experience, you know. It's to tease it apart into its elements. Oh, this is the this is sound, and then this is the labeling of sound. And to deepen in your concentration and present moment mindfulness. I think of the granularity of mindfulness across space, but also time. By space I mean our experience and also in terms of time. And with increasingly kind of granular mindfulness, don't stress about this, there will be no test, but increasingly granular mindfulness, you can go, oh, there's, there is sensation, and then there's a labeling that comes in half a second or a second or two later. And then there's, after, on the heels of the perception, is do I like it or dislike it, right? Um, 
And actually, as I recall, technically the sequence goes form, feeling, perception, formations, consciousness. And uh, often there's the sense of something as pleasant or unpleasant, I like it or don't like it, before I even know what it is. You know? And so anyway, just one practical thing is to tease things apart, including in the kind of processing stream of now, as it were, one. And then two, to play around with disengaging from labeling, especially the verbal process of labeling. A lot of practices, especially in Zen, emphasize the disengaging from knowing, uh, labeling. There's a place for knowing the difference between a nail and a screw, right? Especially if you're trying to use a hammer. Um, But, you know, to just kind of move for a second or two without needing to label or watch the labeling process happen or watch the judging process that's often in labeling happen independent of the feeling tone. That's, that can be helpful. Um, I think also just knowing. I don't think I was talking about labeling so much, but just knowing that that's a turkey. Correct. Even, well, that's a, I'm using the word label for that or categorizing. Even before knowing it's a turkey, there's just shape or form. Not even knowing it's a bird. See, I'm just saying that's possible, and they, they're separate. They're dissociable. And it can be helpful to appreciate that because one thing it helps you do is take the stream of consciousness less seriously. Mm. And that's useful. That's great. Uh, um, did, it, did you see anything when I asked you to look at consciousness, where it was? And did, could you, anybody find any, find any <laughs> source of it or get a hold of it at all? In the Tibetan traditional practice of these big sky meditations, they often, the, the teacher will do something like yell a word, pep, or clap, or something, and then you're supposed to turn and look at the, what's looking and see if you can find it or get a glimpse of it, you know. The elusive knowing. The elusive thing we call consciousness. He always has an answer. Yeah. I just wanted to give an, an example of that specifically. Uh, I, uh, my main sangha, San Francisco Insight, the, the sitting room is right above the garage of the building. And so whenever anybody comes late, you'll be five minutes into the sit, and you'll hear this like, <laughs> of the garage door open. And it used to really piss me off. Uh, and I have this whole story about like, why don't they come on time, which is ironic, because I'm always late. But uh, I, I thought, well, what if I didn't know what a garage door was? What if I was just hearing that as sound? And to Rick's point, as soon as I stopped associating the, the story of the sound and just let it be sound, the, the Vedana of it being unpleasant got way, way less. So I, it, it was no longer an unpleasant sound. It was just sound once I... Once I, I guess like beginner's mind, yeah, like when I was a baby that had never heard a car, a garage door before, I would not innately have this whole story about garage doors being bad. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, well, feel free to... Can I add one thing? If I didn't know that what my wife was doing was wrong, it wouldn't bug me so much. (laughs) See? And we just think that we have this knowing. I know what you're doing is wrong, what you're doing is right, what I'm doing is wrong, what I'm doing is right. And right there, we're categorizing, we're sorting. 
And if, you know, and I think there's a lot of suffering that comes from sorting, right? So uh, we, we have to break now. Uh-huh. And so at times, I think that when things happen and we have a heightened um, reaction inside, then we end up putting something to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The tendency, again, to kind of not just label, but understand what's going on. Okay. Uh, feel free to use that. Pra- Thank you, by the way. Uh, feel free to use that practice and practice with it and experience it and explore it. And it's a wonderful, as I said, a wonderful meditation to do out in the, outside. And uh, it's, uh, it's part of the fruit, I think, uh, for me at least. It's, it's part of the, the nectar of doing this practice, the, the sweetness, the softness of mind really getting in touch with that. It's pretty, pretty wonderful. So we have a walking period until dinner. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.